hearts grow. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you're revealing to us that these are days, days of glory, days of wonder, days of transition and days of preparation. Remember those two words. Father, I want to speak about transition and preparation. And Lord, I believe there's many people in the house that are feeling that something's up, that you are on the move, and that you, dear God, are preparing your people. Every single one of us in this place are being prepared for a day of glory, a day of power, a day of the church, doing what God has mandated in this hour. Father, I bless every mind, every ear, every heart. Bless them, bless them. Just pray with me right now. Father, may the atmosphere be of faith, hope and love. May it be, may it be conducive to a move of the Spirit and a revival of heart. A revival of soul, a revival of mind. Help me, come on, pray. Father, right now, let the Word of God go deep. Let it prevail. Perform your Word, Lord God. And let people go from this place absolutely reconciled to you, my God, in heaven, in heaven, in heaven. And the saints say, I feel God in this place. Isn't it amazing? Paul, how are you doing? Uh, I don't know how you ended up here, but now you've got a loved one that's saved and blessed and born again. Did you come with Brett maybe and Narelle? Did you come with them? God bless you. Yeah, great stuff. Are you another air conditioning guy? Maybe uh, uh, you don't put pools in or uh, barbecue. You don't do a crime plate of barbecue, you understand? God bless you. Take a seat. God bless you. Amen. Look, if you can do anything towards our building, uh, that would be great. Awesome. I honestly believe that um, it's the, the title of this message, message is This Day We Fight. You can write that down, get your notebooks out, get your pens out. I want to be snappy and uh, clear. I'm not going to be able to unpack too much. It's, it's, it's just a great... This, for me, is a, is a typical prophetic message for people who know that something's up. Uh, look, you, you might be of the disposition, look, I'm saved, that's all I want. I don't want to know about the church being the church in a greater, greater measure of, of doing great exploits. And Look, I'm just happy with my salvation. This could speak to you a little bit, but really this is for the people that know something's up. Say something's up. And something is going down on this planet. Besides all the other stuff, shoot, uh, food shortage and uh, the economy, uh, credit credit uh, challenges and, and, and all that, God is brilliantly reconciling his church to a strong place. And some people realize it, some don't. And some have even lost heart for the church because they've lived a whole bunch of years in the church have never seen it do all that was promised in the Bible. Can I have my Bible? I'm supposed to be a preacher up here with a Bible. Thank you. <laughs> Got plenty of notes, but no Bible. Well, Father, I believe that these people in this church are knowing and realizing that something is on, something is up, something is happening, and we want to know about it. And this message is very cute in establishing maybe what is God doing in this period of transition. The church, they say prophetically, is in a place of transition. And in transition, there's preparation. I feel like it, and I felt this some months ago, that this year would be the year to study the Word, to get back into the Word. Why would you go to Bible college 
if you believe that the church couldn't really, and a young person, if a young person didn't think that the church could absolutely rock for God, they wouldn't go to Bible college. They wouldn't come to church. But they know that the church can do great stuff. Isn't that right? I believe it is time to fight. And there's situations and there's circumstances and there is a, a, a fight to be won in your life. One of the things we've got to realize is that when you're saved, welcome into this realm of challenges and obstacles and, and but awesome opportunities. And a lot of people think when you're saved, it's just easy street and thank you, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But really being saved by grace, by the sacrifice of Christ is one thing, but the saving of your soul, your emotions, your will. There's people saved, but their emotions are out there and their will is making bad decisions and, and, and things are just awry. But really, your salvation in your soul, in your will and your life totally reconciled into the kingdom is by endurance. And the Bible says here in Hebrews 6.12, it says, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. The Hebrews 6.12 says that. Say overcomer. We are overcomers. That's what we are born to do. The nature of Christ in us, because when you were born, sister, you just got saved. So when you did, the nature of Christ came into you like as a seed and now you've got an opportunity to water it and the character of Christ can start to blossom through your life and this 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 solidness of character and faith and resoluteness of, of being of good cheer but outworking God's plans is going to start to take place in you as you start to feed it and live for it and walk in it. You know what I mean? And you will become a source of life and blessing to other people like Brett and Narelle beside you blessed you and you're here today. You're going to do the same for other people around your life. And in your sphere of influence, sister, you're going to become a blessing. And But God in you, the supernatural God of heaven and earth, is going to radiate from you. It's, and it's called the anointing. And people are going to feel it. You're changed. You're different. What is it about you? And so that's, that's great. That's a great adventure, isn't it? It's awesome. So here we are on this planet. I believe that this is a time to fight. With fighting, we have to understand this, that we need discernment, we need authority, and we need unwavering faith. A lot of good people, young sons and daughters, get taken out because they're not trained and they're not informed and it has not been revealed to them that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Now, hang on, no, we're not talking about killing people. I've just watched the Ten Commandments, a great new version of Ten Commandments. It was great. And uh, Gemma wouldn't watch it. It was just too much. And, uh, but I'm not talking about the Old Testament of taking people out, taking tribes out. I'm talking about, I'm talking about prayer living righteously, allowing the favour of God to rest on you, the anointing of God to rest on you, and walking out your days in the reality of the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. He basically was saying there you can actually touch it if you have faith, this grace, this mercy, angels of God, even around this tent right now, the presence of God in here is the kingdom. So you've got to allude to that. Don't allude to religion. We're not doing religion. Okay, mix that, do that, jump over here, carry a big Bible around, pray this, pray that, give there. No, that's religion. All right, no. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, now I'm here, 
I am inaugurating the kingdom, the government, the protocol of heaven in all its levels of authority, right down from Yongi Cho and Billy Graham and denominational leaders and prophets, apostles, preachers, teachers, evangelists, and you, sir, and ma'am, and your calling, that's the government. That's, that's why you've got to honour the government. We've got to honour Simon McIntyre and feel the weight of his anointing, feel the weight of his office, because he has a grace to stand in it and function in it and be it, not because he's a good preacher, and he's a great preacher, but because God has called him and he has saluted the King of Glory and he is standing in his office and because of that, we would do well to give him a love offering. Amen? So when I wrote that letter and said, be prepared, there is a grace coming. A man called Simon McIntyre, Pastor Simon, be, be ready, be, be prepared because you would do well to acknowledge him and give to that grace. That's what a love offering it is. I acknowledge Lord God, your man of God, Simon McIntyre, I give him a love offering. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for his enduring faith. Thank you for who he is. Thank you. And guess what happens? You get blessed. That's what a love offering it is. If you don't think he's a man of God, don't give to him. Oh, he's just that. I know that guy. He's Jesus. I grew up with him, they said in his hometown. That's Jesus. I'm not giving him a love offering. I'm not going to allow him to lay hands on me. And Jesus could do no miracles in his hometown. Amen? A lot to say. Praise God. In this realm, when you're saved and when you are propositioned into the kingdom, there's challenges, there's obstacles, and there's, there's a game plan you must understand. And the game plan is this. You've got to fight or you're going to shrink back, you're going to fade away, and you're going to get sucked back into a world that doesn't even acknowledge God at all. So just understand that. Is that good? Okay, where's the scriptures? The kingdom of God is at hand. Matthew 4.17 says it. He says, he says in Matthew 11.12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. Julie and I, people, I don't, under, I don't think people understand what a minister is, but a minister, I watched the Moses, the uh, Ten Commandments, and he had, a, he had to leave his wife and go to Pharaoh, let my people go. But he left his kids, his wife, and did all that. Now, on the way back through the wilderness, Jethro tried to reconcile the wife back to him. But he said, I can't do it. This is taking every part of my mind, every part of my being, every part of who I I haven't got time. He, he, he couldn't even acknowledge his kids for a time. He had to lead these people through the wilderness. And a minister... 24-7, listen to me, 24-7, and that's why in that you, you should honour the ministry. Anyone who, pres- who puts themselves on the front line, Andrew and Jilly, these musicians in fact, the Bible says, the Bible says that they are of a Levitical order, that they are priests leading us into the throne room of God. We should be praying for these guys. They are leading us in, into the presence of God, into the gates of thanksgiving. And we salute you and thank you for putting yourself on the line for that. Give them a hand. We acknowledge them. They're not up there just playing music, you know, pop songs to the Lord. They are rallying your faith. They are raising your optimism in God. And they are leading us into the promises of God. 
Isn't that right? John said he was a partaker in the tribulation and the kingdom and the perseverance which are Jesus. Revelations chapter 1 verse 9. God's kingdom is about tribulation and persevering and enduring faith. If you want to live in the prosperity, if you want to live in the promise and acquire the promises of God, if you want to live in this dimension of the kingdom where you can just, man, almost click your hands and see stuff happen, if you want God's shining light on you, if you want God's promises there at the beckoning, if you want the reality of the kingdom, you've got to have enduring, persevering faith. Jesus taught that true disciples, listen to me, Luke 8.15, jot it down, bear fruit with perseverance. We are bearing fruit in the building with perseverance. Five years with counsel it took to get that DA through. Five years to get the DA, even before we dug, poured concrete, five years and then another good few years to ramp up financially to do what we're doing. It didn't come easily. We just didn't say, this is a good idea, let's do it. No, enduring, persevering, focused determination, tenacity of faith hanging on when the storms of life, like Gilligan on that island, you know, when he gets blown, he's hanging on to that. I love that coconut tree and, you know, his legs are up in the air. That was me on some occasions, trust me. And God was, you know, the hordes of hell. You can't build. Who do you think you are? Look at your little people. What do you think you're going to do? And, you know, that flying in the face of you, you've got to have enduring, persevering faith in God, don't you? They say this, the church is in transition. It's coming from a place of just existing, say just existing, to a more potent place, a, more, a place that is being reconciled through wisdom, I love this stuff. Wisdom, strength, unity. Unity is one of the critical factors of a strong apostolic church. They, actually, I have to drop that name in. It is an apostolic church we're transitioning into. The Bible says the church is built upon the apostles, apostles and prophets. The apostle is the authority. It's the authority of the church's existence. It's the authority of ministry. It's the authority that says to devils, get out of the way. We're coming through. Disease and sickness, bow your knee. Poverty and lack, you're gone. That's what the church is based in, the authority. That's why a lot of churches run by pastors don't have that authority Element. They don't have that dimension of authority that makes a way, that leads the people. Joshua, Joshua is really an apostolic figure, a man that would lead God's people out of the wilderness and say, get prepared, get ready, we're going over the river, we're taking the promises, we're taking it on, because they were fed the manna, the water out of the rock, it was all given to them, but now Joshua is saying, no, we've got to possess it. We've got to possess it, amen? So it was all good back here, these wonderful shoes that wouldn't wear out, and, you know, and uh, all good, you know, uh, pillars of fire and smoke and, and all great, but now Joshua says, because he's a fighting man, Joshua is a fighter, and he says, we've got to take this by the scruff of the neck. We've got to cross the Jordan, die to yourself, go over, follow me, follow me, protocol of heaven, follow the leader, and then go in and take possession. That's another reason why you should honour leadership in your life. Good leadership will have vision. A good church will have strong vision that is leading you, leading you into the promises of God. Is that right? If it's not... 
It's a waste of your time. Uh, you, you don't give to it. Don't serve it. I mean, if you're just going to hang around some, you know, island of salvation of existing it no this is an army we're br- we're pushing in we're pushing back the hordes of hell we're pushing back clouds of darkness off the coast not just this region but we are like a spearhead we're like a hammer we're like a <sighs> jesus so we're in transition and in transition god is saying prepare yourself prepare yourself where's the best example of this quick my time is gone. Oh, two words. What does prepare mean? Make ready. Get ready. Put together. Compounding. Formulating. Drafting. Drawing up. To frame. Ready for action. To gird. To brace. To fortify or strengthen. Yeah. Uh, and I believe God is saying to us at the first level, reconcile your salvation. Find out why you're saved. Work out that. And then reconcile your family. Huh. Yeah. Reconcile your calling. Find out where you're calling. I left it here somewhere, man. Uh, there it is. Get it out of the box. Yeah, that's it. That's shield of faith. You know, Amen. robes of righteousness. Yeah, that feels better. Yeah, what's this sword like? Yeah, I remember using this at one time. Whoa. Strength has gone out of the arm. Your faith is not happening. Yeah, but it will get back, man. You'll get definition. You'll get definition. Shield of faith. The shield of faith. Man, I might go to that prayer meeting Tuesday. When is it? Tuesday morning, Thursday morning. I might even come to the prayer meeting before the church starts. It happens every, every church service in C3 Tugra. I might, I might even bring my sword today. Man, I might even bring the old thing up. Who's this coming? They don't usually come to prayer meetings. What are they bringing? I bring the sword of the Lord. Praise God. We need another sword. Amen. Yeah. Come on, Frank's God. Thank God. Man. Yeah, we need some help here in this regard. Come on. These things are given to us. It's a day to fight. We don't passive, passively sit. You know, the devil says, oh, that's a cute bunch of I'll just leave them alone. They want to heal some people, deliver some people. Ah, oh, look, I'm not really worried about that. No, he's upset about that. And we, we now need protection. We need to gird our loins. We need to, to secure the perimeters. You know what I mean? That's what men do. Secure the perimeters. Have you secured the, the east? The east, where's the east? The, the east, uh, the west, uh, the north, the south. All the perimeters secured, Frank. You, you, you've got your prayer people. Okay, we're ready to do church today because I believe God wants to heal people, set people free, bless people. Uh, we secured. We got fuel in the tank, prayer. We got, we got the right men on the wall watching, discerning. Authority. We've got the authority. Is someone speaking in authority? Is, is the leader in authority? Or is he a wimp? Is he, is he some you know, concoction of, of a power speaker but a performer? Is he is a man of God or is he a man of God? Come on! Do you know what I'm saying? Come on! Are we going on? Are we, is this vision or is this just another show? Is this, is this some religion? Is this a nice sermon or is it vision? Are we moving on? Are we believing for souls? Is my life making a difference for God? Am I included in the great plan of God? Church is in transition. He is preparing you. He is preparing each and every one of you for the day of reckoning for the church to reconcile the multitudes from the valley of decision, to heal them, to bless them. People are coming to this church for their needs to be met. They don't want religion. They can go to a sports field and and do that. Uh, Amen? Praise God. Help me. I need to move on. Six types of preparation and I haven't got time to give them. What will I do, Lord? Let's... (laughs) Five minutes. Can I give you two of them? Can I give two? Queen Esther. 
Esther, she's a little Jewish girl. She's disenfranchised from family and friends. She's apprehended by this king and taken to this harem and she's got to be beautified. She's got to be prepared. Uh, Mordecai, Mordecai, Mordecai befriends her. He's a cousin and he says, look, kid, you're in a bad place, but look, make the most of it. Make the most of it. So, okay, all right, gee whiz, this is, you know, I had other plans, but okay. And for one year, uh, six months of myrrh, uh, myrrh is bitter resin. Six months, prophetically, of myrrh could be like these, these circumstances that each and every one of us have to go through. We don't understand why am I going through this stuff, but it could be preparation. Queen Esther went through six months of being bathed in myrrh, bitter resin. But then six months, the, the next six months was the cosmetic deal, beautifying her, the, the perfume, the cosmetics, beautifying her, which represents holiness. God is preparing us through the trial of life, through the trial of life, like Esther, through the trial of life. But then Esther is beautified for the king, for this day of standing. Well, she has that day. She finds favour with the king, so much favour that she becomes born for such a time as this. Amen? You are probably born for such a time as this. And if you go through the trial of life and if you allow the anointing of the beauty of holiness to rest upon you, you will have Mordecai teamwork. So it talks about that whole story. It talks about teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. That's what counts. She got with the program. She submitted to Mordecai. Mordecai, you're a wise gentleman. I submit to you. Now, Mordecai was used of God to help this lady be a voice to release the Jews that were going to be slaughtered. So when Queen Esther was able to say to the king, please, king, let those people go. Because she had favour. So the first thing God is doing in preparation is favour. God wants to give you favour, to give you a voice. But if you go through the trial of life and get disgruntled and get bitter and disappointed, you won't get favour with the king. Queen Esther went to that night, went to that day, beautified. And, yeah, Aaron, you be quiet. (laughs) So the first lesson, first lesson is make the most of your situation. Write it down. Make the most of your situation. And... Unless we, like Esther, allow ourselves to come into the spirit of adoption. (laughs) Mordecai adopted her. A lot of people don't like to be adopted, even by the church. They want to come here and do a solo act. They want to just... No, 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 we've got this big one happening here. Come on in. No, no, no. I do this well, man. Check me out. It's me and myself and I. Now, we've got a huge one, man. It's called Sisu Tagra. Jump in. You know, people jumping up, 250 people. Imagine what that looks like on YouTube. I'm going to do it, Frank. (laughs) Praise God. The spirit of adoption that the Lord Jesus Christ has offered us, He will never be prepared. If we don't have the spirit of adoption, listen to me, okay, I need some word of God, Frank. They're looking at me. They're wondering if this... The Lord God... The Lord God. There's power in adoption. So she's estranged from her loved ones, her family. She's being prepared. She has no family. Some people feel like that. All alone. No one. But that's cool. Because sometimes God does that too. God separates you for a time and prepares you in the crucible of ministry, anointing you, beautifying you, establishing favour. She learnt protocol in the king's palace. One key thing is protocol, learning protocol. 
being submissive. That's a bad word for Aussies. I will not submit to anyone. (laughs) 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 Praise God. Some people don't feel part of the family called church or God's family, but there is power in adoption. Adoption is a family idea presented in terms of love and security. So, friends at the back, all this church offers you is adoption in Christ, but adoption into this church where security and love should be met out to you. You should feel secure with good friends around you. You should feel the love of the saints around you and you feel that this is your family. Does that make sense? See, there's theology in adoption because in adoption there's justification. And when you're justified as a son and daughter in Christ, it's then when you feel that you are due all your inheritance. If you feel like you're disenfranchised, if you feel like you're widowed, if you feel like you're separated somehow, like the the ugly duckling, the prodigal, whatever, you feel like you can't stand and demand almost your rights for a better life. Isn't that right? Galatians 4, 5, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You got born again into the kingdom, into the family of God. Into the family of God you were just born into. It's a beautiful thing. You've been adopted. Now, this is a powerful thing. Our motivating force that compels us is the power of adoption. Now, listen to me. This scripture here, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ compels us. When you know you're a son or a daughter... That love of Christ compels you to do your uttermost for God. If you feel like you're another number, if you feel like you're just one of the crowd, that's not going to get you passionate and zealous for God. You're just going to feel like, oh, well, yeah, I'll just shrink back here and nobody will know any But when you're a son, the earth is groaning, anticipating the sons of glory to arise. That means people who know they've been adopted by God. Sons and daughters live in the promises of God. Praise God. The second lesson we can learn is patience. Patience. As we prepare for moving into what the Lord has for us, we may also find find season when we are faced with a bitter, even painful circumstances. We may find it very difficult to walk through these times, not fully understanding their purpose. But these very things prepare us for moving into our destiny. I can see I'm only just going to get one across. I'll nail this. After her preparation, she found favour with the king, was exalted as queen, Queen Esther. What does this say to us now, folks? If we allow the anointing to rest on us, the anointing is the perfumes, the cosmetics, if you allow the beautification of Christ on you, in you, some people just want to be angry. Some people want to be ugly. Some people just want to... Get that anointing off me, man. I can't do this stuff without, with that anointing on me. And they want to express themselves in that flesh nature. I mean, we need a little bit of that, but to live in that, that's a, that's a worry. So the beauty of holiness, to surround and transform us, we gain great power. Also, as Esther submitted to the leadership of Mordecai, if we allow submission to lead us into the godly obedience, grace will abound around us and we will be posi- positioned to overthrow 
our enemies. <laughs> so God is preparing the church to overthrow the enemies that, to be honest, probably are in the future. Even now, the church is being buffeted by the, by the enemies and there's a lot of churches struggling. This church, praise God, I mean, we've got a download of certain churches that we know out there and they've been through a terrible time. But one of the key things for a good, healthy, strong church is the prophetic voice. To hear what it says in Peter, it says, like a light in a dark place, it reveals, it reveals the enemy's plans and discernment is what we need. We need discernment, unwavering faith, unwavering faith and enduring spirit and we must lock arms and weather this, not only individually, but corporately. Reconcile your lives individually as a family. Bring that resolution to the church. Lock arms and corporately, <laughs> we are a Mack truck, a D9 bulldozer. We are a tidal wave coming through the coast in Jesus' name. Living stones built together, living stones built together, as a holy temple unto the Lord, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. Confidence comes from the heart. The heart, if your heart is not reconciled to God, you cannot come before God and worship Him. You've got to have a confidence of heart. I've got scripture after scripture after scripture about being confident. That's why I act like the way. I am confident that my God loves me. And even though people are looking at me going, wow, is that what a preacher is supposed to do? And, you know, I don't care. I'm rocking for God. I love God. I can go to the council and I can present our vision to the mayor and all the councillors and I am just in the groove of feeling confident in God. Isn't that great? Would you like to do that? When you can witness to people in public, when you can preach and share your testimony, when you can go out into the marketplace and be who God has called you to do, that is confidence in your heart. And a lot of us suffer from a divided heart. I'm worried about men. I'm worried about my reputation. But I love God. I love God. I'm worried about men and my reputation. And you can't live like that. You've got to be confident. And so on and on it goes. But it really ends up to a people, after the six preparatory stages, it really ends up with a people that can build the church. A lot of people can't build the church with you because they haven't gone through the preparation, the equipping and the beautification of the anointing and come with glad hearts, praise God with a sincere heart, with a sweet devotion and say, God, I love you. I love my church. I love the preacher. I love the government of the kingdom. I love this movement. I love this place. I love it. And when you come like that, let's all stand. God bless you. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. <laughs> Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Really, that's why giving, giving to God, giving your tithes and offerings to God, it's not worth holding back and grieving God Bible says in Malachi, you are robbing God. You're robbing And you can't go before an almighty God when you know you are a robber. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a robber, but God, uh, it's just me, I guess. Uh, but God, He's good. He's gracious. He loves you. I mean, but there comes a time to just grow up and be mature and get your life reconciled. There's someone in the house 
there's people here we've done our, our preaching and I feel people have felt God and experienced God tonight we've got some wonderful stuff more stuff to share with you this is a great message I've got to because listen it is a day to fight I'm seeing people needing to fight for their salvation fight for their healing fight for their family fight for their loved ones fight for their church it's not a day to lay your sword down and go party time in the world Amen. It's a day to pick up your sword, pick up your shield, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, helmet of salvation, gird your loins with truth and stand in the company of the saints and move this forward. To move the church forward into the kingdom, you've got to be deliberate, earnest focus, earnest focus, earnest focus, earnest focus, perseverance, overcoming faith. Someone needed that repetitive... Someone got it. Ernest got it. Ernest, that's right. Ernest, be focused. Even now, I'm pushing against unbelief. I'm pushing against the hordes of hell. I'm pushing against territorial spirits that would say, you shut up. Who are you to speak on behalf of God? I say, I am anointed of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed us to preach good news to the poor to preach to the poor, to release the captives, to set at liberty those who are bound, oppressed. I say, be set free. Be set free. Joshua and his new generation of young people coming up are the people of God going to take this church out of the wilderness, through Jordan, dying to yourself. That's where the Jordan is. Dying to yourself. That's what the old black singers sang about. Going down Jordan. Gonna take my little skipping rope down. Gonna join in the big team called C3Tagra. It's dying to yourself. Dying to your genders. Dying to your little world. Dying to your pet hates. Dying to your stuff. And standing up and being a family adopted by God, adopted by Christ, adopted by us, your church. Look at us. We love you. I don't want to be adopted. I want it. I want it now. Father, I believe there's people here that just need family. They need you, Father God. One of the key factors of salvation is understanding the Father's love for you. Father, there's people here that need the Father's love, the Father's affirmation, especially men. Men need the Father's affirmation. You go nowhere quick without Father. Father God, patting you on the back. After you've come off the playing field of life, after you've tried to score goals and have scored goals, you need the Father to slap you on the back and say, well done, son. Well done. You're doing good, but next time... There is a next time. There's second chances and there's more chances in God than anyone I know. Father, in this house, there's people that need another chance. If you're in this house and if you want to reconcile your life to Jesus, this is a moment of truth, a moment of the anointing when God is saying to you, my friend, this is your time, this is your hour. We've had one late... This morning we talked about the church being in transition when there's reformation at hand there's change it's like a factory all of a sudden we don't put the components in by hand but now a machine does it and everyone's displaced almost and people are going well what am i to do now 
but technology changes, church changes, and reformation brings change. Some people are feeling like they're out of sorts with the church because it's all changed up on them. And, and their job that they used to do is not there anymore. But it's, life is about change. Life is about getting with God and being able to comply almost and change up into this new day. God is changing. God is, His ways are changing up to meet the needs of people. And religion is about staying with your set program and saying, this is the way it is. Whereas a church like this, a spirit-filled church, is about trying to get with how God is feeling today and what God is doing this year. Amen? And so, this is the day to understand that God is doing something new and fresh. So, I said something like this this morning, that we are in, I believe, a period, and this, this is probably more for the long-term Christians. I believe that we are in a season, a transition, of being prepared for a greater day that is the church. Right now, we are in the throes of the church being prepared and changed up into its maybe a whole new level of its glorious state to be the church that can meet the needs of humanity. At the present state, at the present place the church is at, on a whole, we cannot meet the needs of people that have dire needs in their life in a lot of ways. We can appease them and we can bring them to a place where, I guess, some measure of help. But really, when you look at the life of Jesus, he really met the needs, didn't he? It's amazing. Now, this is the other thing I wanted to say because my time is precious now. It's a time to fight. Young people, when you are saved, you come in to this new realm of living. All right, help me. The Egyptians, uh, the Israelites, stuck in captivity in Egypt, Ten Commandments, do you know the story? They're released, they're released, but they come through the Red Sea into the wilderness, but now they realize that there's people warring over the waterholes and over the food that's very scarce. This wasn't like this back in Egypt. Everything was supplied for them, Amen. And then they start to grumble. Hey, we don't want to get killed going on our journey. And it can be like this for Christians. Christians can be seemingly, or unsaved people I should say, can seemingly, although in captivity, everything's comfortable. I'm being supplied every need. But now they're asking us to go on a journey, a spiritual journey, to follow this man Moses. And away they go into the wilderness, which really, the whole wilderness period was really about training them up to be a holy nation, to be a fighting people. They had to learn how to fight. Moses had to get Joshua. Joshua taught the people how to fight. They weren't fighting people. They were slaves. They were slaves. when They weren't fighters. When they were hit and slapped, they cowered. But now Moses said, you're not slaves. You're not slaves. You're a people, a royal people, a royal priesthood of people. And so Moses started to try and, no man, you don't cower. You fight for the water. You fight for your food. You fight for the promised land. And he taught these people and they overcame their Malachites and stuff. Amen. So th- these, these people realized, hang on. And, and it's almost like that when you get saved. Uh, some of us have realized, now I'm saved. I've got to fight. I've got to fight for my existence. 
Now I thought this was just nice Christianity. I thought this was always going to be nice. But no, welcome to the kingdom. Heaven suffers violence and violent, the violent take it by force. Not physical force now in the New Testament, but we wage a war in a spiritual dimension to advance our life, to take possession. See, to take possession of the promised land, they had to fight. And they had to... God had to deal with them in that wilderness period. He wanted them to be a nation. He wanted them to have intimacy with Him. That was the other thing. In the wilderness, they had to learn to know God, to acknowledge Him, to trust Him. That's why God was so adamant when He came, Moses came down with the Ten Commandments and there was these idol worshippers. Moses had to concede they must be killed. And this doesn't make sense in our mind now, but these people were not complying to the new order, to this new lifestyle that God wanted for this holy nation called Israel. Nation Israel, the holy nation. He said, they've got to go. They've bowed their knee to, to idol worship. So, they, so God ended up with these people that were, were acknowledging Him, trusting Him. And through that 40 years, which was way too long, because human nature is human nature, and they grapple with Moses' leadership, and that's human nature. Yeah, we were better off there. You know, this is horrendous. We can't even find water, you know. And Moses slaps the rock with his staff and water comes out. He gets angry with the people, but he just opened up the whole Red Sea, my goodness. And now, you know, you're not happy with the manna. You know, they've been fed bread every day. And so human nature has a propensity to grumble and complain. That's got to die. Francis Frangipane says we've got to have an unoffendable heart to be the church in these days. Unoffendable. That means someone slaps you, someone slaps you again, someone betrays you, someone speaks ill of you. You've got to come up roses every day. You've got to come up roses every day. If you let this stuff compound, you shut down the anointing, you shut down the gospel of love in your life and you are just like everyone else. The main countenance we should have and the main disposition we should have as a church is a people that can emanate this love of God. The love of God is the prime factor in the kingdom of God. So here I am. I'm in Egypt. I'm separated from God, but I'm saved. Two people got saved this morning. I come into the kingdom. And in the kingdom, it's brutal. But the Bible says, the Bible says um, in Matthew 11:12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. To get to that conference, young people, you've got to get yourself forcefully advancing yourself, even if you've got to ride a, a, a skateboard down there, even if you need to get a pogo stick and get yourself down to Darling Harbour, forcefully advancing yourself into the kingdom because this ain't, this ain't easy street. Now you are in a kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. You're in the kingdom and there's, there's opportunities, there's op major opportunities to be upgraded in God, to realise your wildest dreams, to outwork the purposes and plans of God. But there's obstacles, there's challenges, there's trials. That's why John said in the scripture, praise God, hallelujah. What did he say? Thank you, Father. Jesus taught that true disciples bear fruit with perseverance. Luke 8.15 John. 
Revelations 1.9 says, John said, the Apostle John said, he says this in Scripture, partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance which are in Jesus. Which are in Jesus. And so we have this understanding by the Word of God that there is a promised land beyond this wilderness period being uh, trained up, becoming a people of God, in God, the church, intimacy with God, and God was needing to bring them to that solidarity of faith and nationhood. And then Joshua, who is the new leader of the day. And young people, you are the new leaders of the day that will lead the church through the Jordan into the promised land. Amen. And I'm talking about young people, if you're old and you're young, but if you're old and you're old, well, you're going to miss out because there's a Moses generation and there's a Joshua generation. Help me. There's a Moses had to die out. And Joshua was the one who was equipped. He is a type of Jesus. He is a deliverer. He is a warrior. He led the people across the Jordan into the promised land and Jericho was overcome by a prophetic strategy. Round we go. And around the seventh day, shout and the walls came down. That's a prophetic strategy right there. And young people, you need intimacy with God. You need, you need to get clever with God. But it's persevering faith. This ain't easy street. To advance your life into the kingdom, to acquire the promises of God, to lay hold of your destiny, will take a focused determination, focused determination of faith, enduring faith, and there's scriptures after scriptures that says the kingdom of God is at hand, but it doesn't come lightly. So you can actually live outside of the reality of the kingdom, where you're not feeling the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the anointing of God, and that is religion. God wants you to come in with a focused determination to live in the presence of God. That's why C3 talk about the presence all the time. The presence is really about the kingdom of God. Wherever you go, wherever you go, you should feel the presence of God, which is really about the protocol, the protocol of heaven. Angels, big angels, small angels. The mercy, the grace, the anointing, the power, the deliverance, everything is around you right now for the, for the reckoning. It's yours if you claim it in Jesus' name. You can have healing now. And that's why Jesus was able to do such powerful things. He was the unbridled, undiluted, powerful, governing, ruler, king force that God was flowing through and bringing the good news, but bringing the kingdom. We, in fact, are supposed to flow the kingdom of God, the reality of God through our hearts. It doesn't come by being clever in formulas and, and a mental ascent to God. It comes with your heart being dealt with. It comes with your life being dealt with by God. And that's why the story of Esther this morning was such a powerful story. Queen Esther, when she was taken captivity as a young Jewish girl, she was taken into the king's palace and prepared for a year. Six months, six months, she was given this uh, stuff, myrrh, myrrh, which is bitter resin. Bitter resin, frankincense and myrrh, it's the same stuff, myrrh. Bitter resin, which prophetically represents the trial of life. 
She was in an awkward situation. She wasn't entirely happy being in that situation. But the lesson right there is she made, she made the most of her situation. She complied. She got beautiful. She learnt the protocol of the palace, of the king's palace. And she made, she allowed to be adopted by Mordecai. Mordecai becomes like Christ to us now. She was, she was counseled by Mordecai and then she found favour, favour with the king. To the point she had favour on her, she was beautified in glory and that represents, so it's prophetic, prophetic. She was beautified, she allowed herself to be beautified, she was presented to the king and the king deemed her absolutely fit to be queen. And in that, she was allowed to speak to the king and the queen said, let my Jewish friends go. And the king had to comply. This talks about us being prepared, us being prepared for a day, even through the trial of life. If we go through that with a right heart, we can come out on the other side with favour, ready to speak on behalf of the king and release, release God's people in Jesus' name. Jeremiah quickly was the other one I wanted to talk to you about because Jeremiah understood this. He was a prophet. uh, Jerusalem was under siege by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar was going to take the joint over. He knew prophetically Jeremiah was a man of God. He said, this place is going to rack and ruin. But God propositioned him to buy a property. And Jeremiah, by his heart, by the, the unction of his spirit, bought the property and buried the title deed in his Jerusalem. He was taken captive into Babylonian, Babylon, and, but there came a day when the word of God said, I will reinstate Jerusalem. I will reinstate my church. Do you know there's a lot of people that have bought property in the kingdom of God and it's under siege. It's been taken captive. It's, it's, it's a mess if you look at it. But people have bought a property like Julie and I. We've brought a property. We've brought a property, a spiritual property. But as a church, we've brought a property in Babylon. And because God says in his word, there came a day for Jeremiah to go back to his property and be able to utilize that property for God's will, for God's purposes. Now, there's four things in that that we've got to understand. Jeremiah knew the times in which he lived. That's one lesson. Two, he understood the future from the promise of God. You've got to know the Word of God, guys. You've got to know what God says about the church now. Read the book of Ephesians, what the church will be like. Paul says it will be a glorious church. It will be a church unified. It will be a church absolutely being able to release the power of God in that day. We are very serious about church. We are dying to ourselves to it. We are giving to it. We are purchasing spiritual property like Jeremiah because we believe there will be a day represented by our youth when the church will rock for God. Amen? It might be overthrown now by Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. Satan might be having his day with us. But I'm telling you what, the Bible says if you read the story, there will come a day when we buy and trade again where we buy and the economy will good. And we, when we say someone to be healed, they will be healed. And when we call a town to be saved, they can get saved. Amen? This is what we're living in. We're living like Jeremiah. We know that things are not altogether pretty, but Jeremiah, he knew the promises of God. Number three, he saw a window of opportunity to bridge the present with the future. And four, he obeyed God's will accordingly. Prepare yourself, my friend. 
Prepare yourself, I say, to the church because there's coming a day of a day of God setting a whole different game plan, setting a whole different level playing field for us to do business for God. Isn't that great? And this is where the church is now. We are faced with continual change, conflict, fear, wars, rumours of wars. And we did learn so much of the 90s of spiritual warfare. We did. But God is saying this, I believe. God wants us to retrain our hands for war, our fingers for battle. There's new strategy to walk out these days, to be victorious, to stand strong and to advance the church. We need to be cutting edge. We need to be cutting edge in our deliberateness to advance ourselves with warfare, spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. We need a fresh impartation of a new overcoming strategy that will carry us on into the future and victory. And can I say to you again, don't dilly-daddle, don't muck around with this stuff. This stuff is brutal. This This is not a pastor's sermon, is it? This kingdom of God is brutal. The enemy will waylay you, he will cut in on you, and he will extinguish your flame of love for him just like that. There's so many fallen people on the coast, thousands of them, prayer warriors, people of God, pastors, youth leaders, just fallen over because they didn't take this serious. This is war. This is war. This is war. You've got to fight for your life, your wife, your family, your church. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. This is a persevering, enduring war of faith in faith to live these days out in glory. This ain't a happy, clappy club of Christians who reckon that one day they're going to heaven. It's The Bible says, occupy until I come. And we are occupying, we are doing business until Christ Jesus comes in Jesus' name. We're not waiting to be going to heaven. Heaven can wait as far as I'm concerned. I've got things to do. I've got more stuff to do. I want to clear the road. I want to pull out some boulders and make a way for our youth to come in. I want to chop more trees down. I want to bring up more water from the... I want to colonise. I want to colonise. I, I want to see that church finished. I want to see this place filled with people, thousands of people on this land. I want to see not two people saved. I want to see a hundred people saved in one service. We are here. We are determined. And this is our day. We have got to, we have got to slay that, that demon of fear and doubt. That fear and that passivity spirit. Passive. Husbands and wives, if you be passive about your love life, and, 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 and I'll tell you this, you blocked your ears, you young people. Your love life is spiritual... Great job. Your love life is spiritual warfare. Now listen to me. Your love life is spiritual warfare. It's, it's absolutely critical that you stay united and in the spirit. And that's what... Do you know what? That's what your love life is about, married couples. It's about spiritual warfare. Forget what the world tells you it is. It's spiritual warfare. And if you be passive about it, if we be passive about our marriage, passive about our spiritual life, it all just slides away. Your marriage, your life, your church life, just slides. You've got to be... You've got to look the enemy in the eye and say, back off, Harry Leeds. I'm coming through. 
me and my family. As for me and my family, we serve the Lord. That's what the book of Joshua says. As for me and my family, Joshua said, we serve the Lord. Let's stand. God bless you. And uh, can we pray that song, Fear Not? For five minutes I want to pray. If you need prayer, if you need your warrior spirit back, if you need that fighting spirit back, we want to pray for you very quickly. Come on out the front right now.